Lord, we come to you needy. We need to hear truth from you. We need you to work truth in our lives. We need to walk truth in our lives. We need to speak truth to each other, and we need you to enable us to do that. So we pray that today you would speak truth to us and transform us into truth seekers and truth givers and truth livers. Amen. So, we are getting through our ten words that are God's vision for His people. We've talked about how there was a covenant with God, God as King, and how He said, now in this covenant, here's the kind of people you need to be to reflect who I am, my image, the kind of character that I have. And this is how you're going to do that. And he gave them ten words, ten basic values and principles, and then he spelled them out specifically in the law of how to follow that in that context. But these ten basic values, these ten words that he's given, we've been going through, and so we're down to number nine. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Now I want you to think about how these are connected to the other words. The word just after this, our last one is going to be, um, Hannah is going to preach for us on Thanksgiving weekend. So you heard Pastor Ben's warning. Be thankful, because the last one is do not covet. So Thursday, have a good chance to be thankful. That's a good antidote to coveting. Black Friday, don't lose it, because on Sunday, you're going to come and be convicted about coveting. So um, make sure you have a good week, like he said. And um, so how does testifying falsely connect with coveting? Well, we're motivated to say the wrong thing because we want something, right? To say something false. Uh, I'm going to go move ahead. So the, the reverse of this is speak the truth in love. This is said in Ephesians. or so This is the positive statement of the same thing. So if we go back to this, how does it connect with the other words? They, Come on, somebody think about it. Somebody tell me some other ways. You know what some of the other words we've talked about. How does it connect to some other words we've already talked about? Yeah. You're going to falsely accuse someone of breaking the other commandments. All right. Somebody else? Think about some of the other words. Yeah. Yeah, they're all about how it affects people and how we're going to be a community. Good. Somebody else? Gossip. Yeah, how does it connect to the other ones? Killing the spirit and the character of others by, by gossiping. Yeah. How about last week, Pastor Rich gave us stealing. How does it connect to stealing? Stealing reputations. We also tend to lie a little bit in order to get more money somehow, right? Just maybe on our taxes or our financial aid forms or our, uh, you know, uh, whether you really, um, there's lots of ways that people kind of cut corners in order to get money or stuff, right? Um, I was always afraid to f- cut corners on financial aid forms because I felt like God was blessing me with it. I was, if I cut corners, he was, you know. Um, but what are, what are the ones? How about adultery? Any connection with adultery? Right? 
Does adultery ever happen without somebody lying about it? Pretty much never, <laughs> right? Lying about it, pretty, and it's not really in love, right? Um, how about taking the Lord's name in vain? This is saying you're going to testify, I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, right? How can you do that without taking the Lord's name in vain? And the foundational first commandment is, I am the Lord your God. Have no other gods and no idols. And when we don't do that is when we break all of the other commandments, when we mess up all the other words. That's foundational to every one of these, including this. It's trust in God alone that helps us to do this. So, um, so the reverse, we're going to emphasize speaking the truth in love. How can we speak the truth in love? And, and what happens in our society when things aren't this way? Now, I want you to think about when is a time when you have seen or heard truth in love? And think about what resulted. Now, extra points if you can think of a politician, okay? Or an advertisement about a politician. We just had a political season, and um, <laughs> it's over. Let's not think about it. Um, it's a lot of things that weren't speaking the truth in love is what I heard. One politician came to my door and actually spoke the truth in love, and, and I was impressed, and I voted for it. Um, she didn't talk about the other candidate or anything. Um, who was it? Uh, Trista. Trista was who it was. Um, a little in-group bias. She was a pastor's wife. That helped too. But uh, anyway, um, so I want you to think about that for a minute. I want you to turn to the person next to you and share for one minute. Two or three people. Turn around, find somebody. Okay, can I have one response? Somebody tell me about a, a time when they heard the truth spoken in love. Transparency, okay. Good. Somebody got an example? And what resulted? Yeah. Okay, so a pastor told him to grow in Christ before he got married. He did it, and he, uh, th that's pretty good. Most people, you tell them, don't or wait. Pastor Rich is laughing. Yeah, they're, they're like, no, I'll get a different pastor, whatever. <laughs> so good for you. He, not only did he speak the truth in love, he listened. And the result has been great fruit. Okay, good. Um, so that... Emerson says this, Every violation of truth is not only a sort of suicide in the liar, but a stab at the health of human society. Don't you think that's truth? That every time I say something wrong, not only do I do something to myself, but I also take a stab at society. Because society is built on 
us telling the truth to each other, right? Our economy is built on people telling the truth to each other. We had a little slip in that, and we had a huge recession. If you remember, we lost trust because we lost some truth, and it's all built on basically being able to trust each other. And that depends upon us telling the truth. Without that, we have real problems. Um, just a couple chapters later, as in this same book of the covenant where he's explaining, giving some more details on the, uh, what he means by these basic principles, it says this, you must not pass along false rumors. That never happens, of course. Um, nobody's ever heard of fake news or anything, right? Nobody ever passes on false rumors. Um, in Africa, nobody ever says somebody's a witch who wasn't really verified to be a witch. No one has ever said someone was... Yeah, okay. So you must not pass along false rumors. So when it comes to clicking share, think about this. You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on the witness stand. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you're called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice. It's, and do not slant your testimony in favor of a person just because that person is poor. Now later it says rich as well, which happens a lot. But poor also. Sometimes we can be so concerned about caring for the poor and social justice, doing the right thing, that we slant it because they, they deserve it. Well, your job on the witness stand is not to make that happen. That's up to the judge. Your job is to tell the truth without slanting it. Boy, that's hard to not slant things, isn't it? You don't hear a whole lot of unslanted anything, Right? Leviticus 19, again, a place in the law that's expanding on the, the uh, Ten Commandments, Ten Words. Do not deceive or cheat one another. Do not bring shame on the name of your God by using it to swear falsely. Do not say, so help me God, because I am Yahweh. When he's he, repeatedly in this part, 18 and 19, he says, I am Yahweh, reminding them, this is my covenant. I am your God. I am your Lord. Whoops, sorry. Do not defraud. What does defraud mean? To say the wrong thing in order to get some kind of advantage. To, to uh, steal, basically. Or rob your neighbor. Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. We definitely do more of the being partial to the rich and powerful, but either one can happen. Always judge people fairly. Do not spread slanderous gossip. Among your people, no one would ever say something bad about something somebody else or pass it on without verifying, right? You always fact check before you forward something or before you share something, right? You're always sure that what you share is... Uh, do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. I am Yahweh. Now, when somebody says something on a social media platform or in your presence that is harmful or slanderous to somebody else, do you always say, nope, are you sure about that? Or do you sometimes just chuckle and say, uh, even if you're not sure that that's really the case or not? 
Um, and then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. Jesus, of course, quotes that. And really, when it gets down to this love your neighbor as yourself, that's the basis, right? Would you, would you want someone to say this about you? Um, so, Matthew, Jesus expanding on, we've been watching this expansion of the, of the law. Matthew, Jesus has given his explanation, right? He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to Yahweh. But I say, do not make any vows. And he goes on and explains how. Then he says, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. So if we actually say what we mean and mean what we say and do what we say, we wouldn't have any problem, right? But if we have to say, well, when I, when I said is, I didn't mean is. It depends on what you mean by is. Or if you say, when I said would, I meant wouldn't. Or I wouldn't was actually would. I, I mean, why would I believe those people when I wouldn't believe those people? When you start twisting ourselves up like that, that doesn't... Or I say, I will be there at 10 o'clock. And am I really there at 10 o'clock? Or am I not there at 10 o'clock? And then, of course, in Nairobi, at least, you compound it by calling and saying, oh, yeah, I'm caught in traffic. Which, of course, is a de you're always caught in traffic in Nairobi. That would be, of course... But you also hear that in the bathroom stalls and whatever, you know, oh, yeah, I'm caught in traffic. I'll be there. I'm sorry. Um, so we compound our lies by, by uh, oh, yeah, well, I, you know, I would have been here, but, but I didn't leave on time, <laughs> to be honest. I didn't plan. Um, so how can we get to this where we actually say, yes, I will, or no, I won't? And we mean it. And people actually believe us. Because when we didn't, we said, I'm sorry, that was, that was wrong. I, I meant to, we, even apologizing and saying, I was wrong, I didn't say the truth. Ever hear that happen? Oh, you misunderstood me. I, I, that's not what I meant. Um, so, so truth on trial. It's kind of the title of this, because truth, it feels like to me in our society, even in the church, is on trial. Are we really after truth? Is truth even possible? Some people say in our postmodern world, there is no truth. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a perspective. That's true, but that doesn't mean we see through a glass darkly, but it doesn't mean we don't see something. And we can't check. I say four cows, you say six. Let's walk out in the field and find out. Oh, okay, it's a bull and two cows. All right, we were both wrong. Um, so fake news. Now, what is fake news? Fake news is, is not, I don't like that, so I'm going to label it fake news. It disagrees with me, so I'm just going to say it's fake. Fake news is actually when you say something fake for some kind of advantage. You, you misinterpret. Now, the BBC has a great series on fake news. I, got, I hadn't noticed this, but as I was preparing the sermon, I read a bunch of these articles, and they're, they're scary. What's happening in the name of fake news? And they have stuff from Turkey and Nigeria and um, India and, um, and a bunch of stories like this one from Mexico. Um, people had a, a... They were discussing, they were talking about there's these child kidnappers, and you've got to be careful about the child kidnappers because they might come. And then a couple guys go to the market 
and they're not from there, and people are wondering what these guys are doing there, and they start saying, maybe, maybe there's the child kidnappers, and they start grabbing them, and so the police come because the, there's this hullabaloo. So they grab these guys, put them in a the police car, take them back to the jail, and everybody's like, the police caught the child kidnappers, and it's all over on WhatsApp. And, and then they, everybody's getting excited, and somebody rings a bell, and somebody buys petrol, and somebody goes, and they break into the jail, they haul these people out, and they burn them to death. Just because it got shared enough times. Because people were waiting, they were afraid, and then this got shared. Now this is a lot of what happens with witchcraft accusation. With people hear somebody, you know, we believe that there's witches out there, somebody must have caused it, so we're going to share that news, we're going to look for who might have caused it, and this kind of thing happens. People get killed, people get harmed. But that would never happen, any, well, it's happening all over the world. Um, and they talk about in Nigeria, people, a guy in England who's forwarding stuff and call, is talking about this Christian group as, you know, terrorists. And they don't have any terrorists in the group, but they're this particular tribe of terrorists. And there are people killing people. There's dozens of people getting killed. But then there's news going out on Facebook about this attack that's happening with false pictures put on it. And then the Christians start stopping people and makeshift roadblocks and killing the other tribe. And it's all just sharing on Facebook. And Facebook's got like four people checking in Nigeria for the all, what, what is it, 400 million people, 300 million people in Nigeria. Um, so we are, but you know what? It makes money. Fake news makes money because you know why? People share it more. And that gives more clicks and that gives more ads and that gives you money. Um, so what are some of the roots of this? Well, a lot of it's just selfishness. Why do we tell lies? We're selfish. We want some kind of advantage to ourselves somehow. And not just that. I want to defend myself and my group and our beliefs, the way that we understand things. There's in-group bias. So this happens all the time, right? If it's my group, then it's a big deal. And, and it's got to be right. So, so if I tell you about a politician who has a scandal going on, they, you know, they were committed adultery, um, you don't know what to believe about that until, you, until I tell you whether he's a Republican or a Democrat, right? Because then you'll say, oh, well, that's terrible. That's what they do all the time. Or you'll say, well, you know, it's not that bad. Why are they bringing this up now? Isn't that true? Come on. Um, yeah, I, I hate to even go here, but Kavanaugh, everybody had an opinion about what happened, and nobody knew what happened. Except two people, and I don't even know if they remember. But those two people, everybody knew because of some kind of bias. Well, we should believe women. Well, we should believe Republicans. Well, we should believe whatever. I don't know how anybody knew that, but we all knew exactly what happened. And what was wrong with them for saying that? What, what, you know, I mean, we can go on. We can pick Newt Gingrich, Bill Clinton. Which of them is an adulterer? Both adulterers. Which one are you upset about? Well, it depends upon which party you are, Right? Um, so we all have an in-group bias. Well, in the same with, we can say that with Christians. You know, if it's a Christian, that, so that what's happened in Nigeria, I'm upset about those Niger Christians getting killed. You know, the Muslims, well, you know, whatever. Um, so we have an in-group bias. And then affirming what we already believe, especially assumptions and bigger stories underneath narratives. Um, so... For example, um, 
I'm just, I'm out here, so I might as well go there. Um, is Obama a Muslim, and was he born in America? <laughs> well, there's no evidence that he's a Muslim. We all got upset about what his, what his pastor preached, and then we got upset about how he's a Muslim. I don't know how exactly that happened. And, but here's what happened. Is, and then there's the thing of, so while he wasn't born in America, where, why doesn't he produce his birth certificate? Even though nobody ever produced the Kenyan birth certificate. But we just say, well, why didn't he produce his birth certificate? Just kind of insinuating. But why is that there? So McCain was born in Panama in the Panama Canal Zone, and there was a, a suit against him as well as there was a suit against Obama. To, no, he shouldn't be running for this because he's not an American. But that went away like nobody even knows that. The underlying narrative is there that he's not one of us. Obama's darker than he should be. He's not really one of us. His father's from Kenya. He's, he's an immigrant. He's not really one of us. Those people from Hawaii, are they really Americans after all? Um, so there's this underlying thing. So, so like if I tell you a story about witchcraft, some of you will believe it, some of you won't. Because you have an underlying assumption about what happens with witchcraft. Some of you will need huge evidence you still won't believe it. Others of you will be like, oh, well, that could be. Depends upon where you're from. And all the stories that have been told behind it. It's the grand narratives underneath. If I already believe this, doesn't take much to convince me. And in fact, if you give me evidence to what I already believe, wow, I'm going to share that. I'm going to tell that. I don't even have to fact check that because I already knew that. Right? Come on. Let's be honest. When we something that see something that disagrees with us, we ignore it or we really fact check it. And we say, oh, that can't. And then if you present proof to somebody... They say, well, I don't know about that. Right? Well, that can't, I, you know. Then they, then they change the conversation. Oh, it's really complicated. Oh, everything's complicated. But let's discuss it. Let's figure out what the truth is. Let's not just say, oh, well, now you disagree with me. Let's not talk about it. Okay? Um, what's underneath this? The accuser and the father of lies. Jesus says, Satan is the father of lies. He says, you don't believe me because your father is the father of lies. And, and uh, he speaks his native language when he lies. It's so easy for us to not say the truth. And especially to not say the truth in love. Sometimes we say the truth, but it's not really in love. Right? Um... I hope what I'm saying is true, and I hope it's in love to you all. Um, I want us to be the kind of people who are truth seekers, for whom truth is more important than winning. For whom truth is more important than me feeling good or getting what I need, or my group getting what we need, or being defended. For whom truth is absolute, because the true one is absolute. Here's another really important basis for why we do this, a root, fear. So there was a study done by MIT on all the tweets that had been sent out, and they looked at the false stories that had been tweeted. And I, it was a long article, it's really good. But they, so they, they used these uh, 
ways of figuring out how tweets were. And basically, key takeaway is really that the content, uh, content that arouses strong emotions spreads further, faster, and more deeply and more broadly on Twitter. We're attentive to novel threats and especially attentive to negative threats. So basically, they found that the false stories spread way faster, about six times faster than true stories. Wow. That's scary, isn't it? And why? Because we're attentive to novel threats. So we pay attention when something different happens in the neighborhood, when there's an, a stranger in the neighborhood. We're attentive to that novel threat, and especially a negative threat. This, these people came into town, and they, they went to the market. We don't know who they are. They, they could be one of those negative child nappers, right? So, and that makes sense, because we need to be paying attention to things that are unusual. And when something like hap that happens, we need to ring the bell and tell everybody, hey, there's an invasion. There's people from, uh, who, you know, we need to be careful. Or, or there's a, you know, what's that package doing there? That package wasn't there. Is that, is that a bomb? We need to pay attention to those things, right? But that good, necessary inclination can get twisted. It says, so the fake tweets in elicited these kinds of responses, surprise and disgust. Words that were like surprise and disgust. Like, what? Oh, that's terrible, right? Well, accurate treat, tweets gave sadness and trust. Things that were, oh, that's so bad that, you know, the, the hurricane did that, whatever. You get the difference. But the surprise and disgust are more powerful emotions. The fear is more powerful. So what do we do? Wow, that's terrible. I got to do something about this. Let me tell all my friends so they can be careful. It, it's a, a good thing, but it can be easily turned, especially with in-group bias, against out-group people or even in-group people. So lying is a terrible vice. It testifies that one despises God but fears men. When you think about it, don't we always lie because of fear? I'm afraid that my reputation is not going to be what it should be, what I'd like it to be if I told you the truth. So I, I'm going to slide the truth, spin the truth, change the truth. I, I don't want you to think badly of me, so let me say something different. You know, your wife or your husband says, does this dress make me look fat? You know, it's a trap. <laughs> you just say no. Because you know, it's not the dress. It's not the pants. <laughs> and then you say, you're beautiful. I think you're beautiful. Because that was the real question, wasn't it? And that's the truth. You're beautiful. When your coworker asks you that, you just say no. Right? Speak the truth in love. But most of us are afraid of people. It is possible to speak the truth in a way that is loving. Falsehood is invariably the child of fear. In one form or another. I think this is fantastic. Falsehood is invariably the child of fear in one form or another. So it works like this. Fear produces 
falsehood, right? And then the falsehood gets retweeted, gossiped, shared, and it produces fear. And that produces another falsehood, which produces more fear, right? And especially if you get in an echo chamber where you're talking to people, oh, whoa, 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 right? It gets like putting the microphone in front of the speaker. Whoa! It gets really loud because we keep amplifying it, right? What's the alternative? This. Truth produces trust, and trust produces truth. If you trust God, start with word number one. I am Yahweh your God who delivered you out of Egypt. Have no other gods before me. I trust you, God, to take me through the wilderness, to take me where I need to go, to do what I need, to give me the money I need, to protect my reputation so I can speak the truth. Because I don't have to be afraid. I can speak the truth to my brothers and sisters because I trust God. I trust God's going to work in them. We trust each other. And then when we speak the truth, what happens? Oh, we have more trust. Because you spoke the truth to me even when it was hard. You spoke the truth to me even when it was hard for you. Even when it was hard for me, you spoke the truth in love to me. And you know what that does for me? That increases my trust in you. When you speak the truth to me, that in increases my trust in you. When you say, Pastor, you were off on that sermon, and here's why, that increases my trust in you. We need to be honest with each other. Um, and, the, and the beauty of this is we also, if we're after truth, we can seek truth together. And you know what? I have an in-group bias. I have my own perspective. I own, have my, I own my own experience. And I don't see things the way you do. But if you would share with me and say, you know what? Yeah, I got that part. But this part I'm not so sure about. And here's why. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Right? And I'm trying to do that with you. This, the, the sermon thing doesn't work real well for discussion. But, you, but I appreciate those of you who write me back and say, Yes, no, what about this? Um, for that reason, we want to be on a search for truth together, don't we? That's going to increase trust. And here's the thing. Um, my brother-in-law, David, likes to say, trust is built, is built like a forest. It, it, you plant it and it, it grows slowly, but a match can burn up one falsehood, can burn up a whole lot of truth. And in fact, James even says the tongue is like a fire. It can burn up, can cause destruction. It's like poison, he says. I can kill people. Or it can build trust. It can build truth. So today is the 40th anniversary of Jonestown. Some of you remember Jonestown. Some of you weren't born. But... Uh, for those of you who missed it, um, 40 years ago, there was a, a preacher who uh, had a Pentecostal church. Um, and he was kind of rejected, but this Pentecostal church accepted him and welcomed him. And he also noticed the guy up front with a microphone had a lot of power, so he wanted to be that guy. 
And so he got up there and he, he built a church that accepted people and really broke down barriers and, and did a lot of social, um, social action, social justice, brought black people and white people together and had them sit side by side and worked on um, soup kitchens and, and fixed a lot of stuff in the community, did a lot of stuff that we're trying to do here. We're trying to be a house of prayer for all nations. He was trying to be a, a multiracial house. But that was so important to him that he was okay with allowing some falsehood in. He was okay with using some rotten chicken parts to take out of people to pretend that he healed them. And there were people on the inside who knew about that, but they always thought it was so important that they do what they did that it was okay to cover that up. And then he got more and more away from the Bible and more and more into talking about the news and about all the things you should be afraid of and there's going to be nuclear war and there's going to be a dictator they're going to throw you in concentration camps and this is a quote in Jones treatment the basic truthfulness of the newspaper's content was often taken for granted while the basic truthfulness of the Bible's content was denied he had a booklet called the letter kills um, but he went the Bible so Jones treated the Bible severely you say what would I do without my black book what are you going to do with it? You're going to die in the wilderness with it. The Bible kills. It's a death. The Bible didn't say you could get your way to heaven by reading. You can't get across the street by reading the Bible. And pretty soon he was saying things like, Paul said he's going to be all things to all people. Well, I was Buddha. I was Lenin. But now I've done so much good stuff, I, I can have my own Bible written about me. And Jones got way off. And people who were accepted and welcomed into this cool community and making a difference in the neighborhood got sucked into just a little more air and a little more air, and they missed especially the foundation in the Bible. Truth on trial, fake news. So what's true? How can we know in a postmodern age and with all the stuff that's going on in our media, how can we know even what's true? Who knows? Well, who really knows the truth? The one who is truth. That's why I say we can seek truth with confidence. Because God the Father is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I will send the Spirit after me who will lead you into all truth. So people, do not ever be afraid of seeking the truth. Do not ever be afraid of having a conversation with a scientist or, or uh, you know, somebody who, think, who knows something, because you're going to learn something from that person if you listen carefully. And if they object to uh, something you believe from Scripture, keep talking, find out, because I believe that what we believe about Jesus, about there being a God who created things, is accurate. And you can compare it with any other understanding of the world that there is no God or that everything is God or that science explains everything or any other way of viewing the world, you can compare that and say, okay, well, how do you explain love to me? How do you explain how people get along to me? How, how do you explain the, the existence of the world and the design? You can ask all those things, and I believe that what we believe is true. I don't believe I can prove it perfectly. Now, I don't believe the other person can also prove it perfectly. Unless they come with their assumptions. For example, only things that can be proved by scientific evidence are evidence. Well, bring your assumption, that's fine. 
You already, you already made the, you already assumed the case, right? That's no different than me saying any, only things that are proved in the Bible are really true. What? Let's give some. So don't ever be afraid of the truth. If we ever get afraid of the truth, and if we ever get off of Scripture, if we ever get away from God, we are in danger. And we have no reason to be, because we are serving the truth. We're following the one who is true, who is the truth itself. Jesus says, I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. He was talking about his father. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So you can know the truth by scientific inquiry, by figuring out what God created, and, and figuring out the evidence, and finding out if there was this a good source, and all that kind of thing. But ultimately, also, you need to, he says, be faithful to my teachings. Now, how are you going to know the truth? We quote the last part of that often. How are you going to know the truth? By being faithful to my teachings. You following me? If we aren't faithful to his teachings, then we're going to want to twist things to make the truth fit what we're doing. You get what I'm saying? Pastor E.C. Erickson, way, way back, somebody met a, met a young woman and said, you know, wh where have you been? We haven't been in church lately and we, we've been missing you. And he, he said, well, you know, I just don't believe like you people do anymore. And he said, oh, be honest. You just don't want to live like we do anymore. Well, it's true. That was where she was at. And if you're not living like Jesus has told us to live, you're going to start saying, well, I don't know if that's really true, and I don't know if I really have to do it. You're going to start going someplace else, like Jim Jones did and led all those followers after him. We have to be faithful to his teachings in what we say and what we do, when you know the truth, when you do the truth, it's a lot easier to spot what's not the truth. When you handle real American dollars, this is what they do, you've heard this, they do in banks, want to get people to, to know what, uh, how to spot counterfeits, they don't show them counterfeits. They have them play with money for the weekend, and they play with it, and they say, feel this, do this, and so that you get the feel for the truth, so that when you see a counterfeit, you go, well, that's just paper, that's not real dollars. Um, you've got to know the truth and live the truth if you're going to be able to spot what's not truth. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will not bind you up. The truth will free you. There's nothing worse than trying to live a lie. A number of people, Abraham Lincoln being one of them, said, uh, well, I, most people don't have a good enough memory to be liars. Because it's too hard to keep track of all that. Jesus, the truth who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, was on trial. That whole chapter 18, of John 18, is uh, about the truth on trial. And these false witnesses are brought to testify against Jesus. And then Peter is saying, well, uh, no, I'm, I'm not a follower. He, he's denying the truth when he could be witnessing to the truth. Everybody's denying the truth except Jesus. And Pilate answers him, and he's asking him if he's a king, and what's he there for, what's his problem? And Jesus answered, in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. There's Pilate's opportunity. But what is truth, retorted Pilate? He could have said, you have the truth, 
I've been looking for the truth. Tell me what the truth is. Right? But what did he do instead? He said, what's the truth? This is what I just said everybody does, right? When you get pushed to something uncomfortable, somebody disagrees with the way you think about something, your perspective on things, you argue with them for a little bit, and then you say, oh, I mean, what is the truth? I mean, who knows? I mean, what, which, what should we do about that? Who, you know? You sure about that? I don't know about that. You, you get what I'm saying? Pilate has his opportunity. The truth is standing in front of him. And he say, what is the truth? Not as a, what is the truth? Please tell me. But a, who knows what the truth is? And then he says, you know, he goes out to the crowd and he says, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. And they all say, crucify him. And he says, you know what? I'm washing my hands of this. I, he knows what the truth is. He knows Jesus is innocent. But he says, you know, you all do whatever you want to do. He is the judge. And in this trial of truth, he just washes his hands and says, well, well, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe there's something wrong with him. You all do what you ever want to do. So, um, some false ways. Slander. This is one way we cannot speak the truth in love, right? You say something about someone that you would never, behind their back, that you would never say to their face, right? And, oh, it's somebody you don't, you know, don't think it's going to hurt them. It'll never get back to them. But we slander people all the time, don't we? Even by the labels we put on them, right? They're not people. They're not fellow Christians. They're, I don't even want to say the labels. A lot of labels and other things we put on them that make them not quite as human as me and my people. Right? We've talked about some of those labels already. Gossip. Just passing on, like it said, something that's, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, but let me just tell you, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but if somebody says that to you, say, well, then don't. If I say that, say, well, then don't. I'll tell you, to be honest, as I think about this, the part I have the hardest part with is in love. I'm pretty good at telling the truth, but I don't always do it in love. I don't always do what's really loving. Flattery, that's when you say something to someone's face that you would never say behind their back. Right? Oh, you're the best boss ever. But that's not what I say to my coworkers. Right? Um, flattery is... The person really doesn't like you because they leave you in your problems rather than tell you what you, what you need to know, right? The person who flatters you does not love you. If you tell me about my sermons, tell me the truth. If you think it was good, tell me the truth about that. If you don't think it was good, tell me why. Um, exaggeration. We all want to exaggerate, just stretch it just a little bit, Okay? Just a little bit more. And this is, this is a problem for businesses, for government, for churches and ministries. As a missionary, you, can, you write newsletters. And how do you spin that? I know a missionary who, you know, took a picture of his family standing in front of the servants' quarters. At his, at his, he didn't take a picture in front of the house because the house was a pretty nice house. He didn't want to see 
didn't want his, his you know, supporters to think he lived in such a nice house, which he did. So, you know, it was no big deal. He just took a picture the other way in the yard. But the implication, and, you know, oh, lots of thousands of people have been saved, you know. Somebody wrote me about uh, somebody who, who uh, came to Mwanza, and they, they wrote and said, you know, Mwanza, Tanzania, where I live. It's, they said Mwanza's been turned upside down, and you didn't even mention it in your newsletter. So I investigated a little bit and checked it out and, and uh, asked some people and went to the website. The website said, this, people told us that more people came out to this than had ever been together from all the churches. Okay. So I asked the guys and they said, well, yeah, they used to be in charge of the group that was all the churches, but they just do their own thing and they were by the airports. There were a lot of people there. But when the Pope came, they paved the road. Okay. So that wasn't quite the same. And a lot of it was... They said they felt better. They said this was the big... We can easily... You know that that's a, a, a classic. They say is a great way to lie, isn't it? Well, you know they say. Who are they anyway? The scientists, I guess. Whoever they are. Um, we can exaggerate things. They make them just a little better than they were. Um, I could tell you lots of stories about that too. But um, carelessness. It's just easy to not really know if this is true, and I don't need to check out if it's true. I can just pass it on. I don't need to see where this quote came from, or this, this person says this happened. What's the, what's the source of that? Is it really true? Let me look on Snopes. Let me look on uh, Fact Check and see if this is really true before I share it. Ah, too much time. Just click, right? Two words intended to deceive. You've all heard that, right? The first mate wasn't too happy with the captain, so uh, when the captain was sick, he got up, he, you know, he wrote in the book's log, you know, the captain is sober this morning. Well, that was true. It was just implying something that was not true. Um, you, remember the, you remember Joseph and his, his brothers brought this cloak with blood on it and said, is this your son's cloak? Well, yeah. They were... They didn't say any words that were exactly not true. They just intended to deceive. You know, the other one about, this is my sister. Well, yeah, she's my wife too, but you know, uh, we, we were already went through the insinuation. You just kind of, well, what is it? You know, I mean, what? You know what I mean? You're just kind of implying. You didn't, I didn't say it. I just wonder. I wonder why. Huh. How come they didn't come? Hmm. Right? insinuation and silence silence is an interesting one so um, Proverbs says even a fool seems wise when he keeps silent and my difficulty is I often say things I don't need to say that are true but not loving this person doesn't need to hear that so often it's good keep my mouth shut. Silence is a good way to speak the truth in love. On the other hand, silence can be a way of affirming a falsehood. So when people ask me, so was Obama born in Kenya? Or passed on that rumor? I didn't always say, no, there's no evidence of that. 
because I wanted them to like me. They were supporters. <laughs> I wanted to let it pass. When somebody says something that isn't true or you don't know is true, do you say, how do you know that? Una <laughs> juaje. He remembers my teaching about witchcraft. So this person's a witch. Una juaje. How do you know? How do you know they're a witch? That's an absolutely great question for anything. Somebody says something, you say, well, how do you know? Maybe they know and they can give you the information and you can be clued in. But it's important to ask, how do you know? Is that in the Bible? Is that shown by the evidence? I, I just have to give you an example. This is an exaggeration one, but related to witchcraft. A friend of mine got up in chapel and said, you know, we in Nigeria, we know there's witches. I've seen this man turn into a snake. I've seen that I was attacked by people who came, were trying to kill me by sending rats. They turned into rats and they came to bewitch me. And so, and then, of course, everybody going out of chapel goes, hey, do you hear that? You don't, you don't believe in witchcraft. Do you hear that? So I took him to lunch and I said, tell me more. I, this is fascinating. Tell me about it. So, so that, well, okay, so there's the snake the guy ran down this alley and then the snake came out from the alley and there was no way out of the alley. Okay, well, that's not exactly what you said. Well, and there was this 15-year-old girl who got saved and she told me how she became a rat and came to, to within elders sent her and whatever. I said, so what did the elder of your church say? He said, no, that was nonsense. So did you believe the 15-year-old who just got saved or the elders in your church? Oh, I don't know. Who knows, right? What wasn't exactly what, but now the whole chapel heard, heard his version of it. But when you get down to, how do you know? Ask people that, how do you know that that's the way it is? Because often it's because we have an assumption. Well, that must be, that's the way it uses, that, that makes sense to the way I already think. Silence can be good. It can be not good. Because it can just support the status quo if we just be quiet. If somebody says that person is guilty and you say nothing, so not giving false testimony also means if you have something to testify, you need to go testify and not just be quiet and follow the crowd and just hold up your phone while the person's being burned to death. Right? Ephesians 4. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Therefore, each of you should put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Am I saying things to benefit me or us, or am I saying it to benefit those who listen? NLT says it's this way. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. We can increase truth with each other. And I added this. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath, it says. So that anger and, and uh, disgust and other things get connected with the lying. Don't use foul or abusive language. 
Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. How are we going to do this? We need God's help to overcome our fear, to trust, to know what the truth is, to investigate the truth, to speak the truth. It is not easy for me, folks, to let everything I say be good and helpful or to encourage those who hear it. How can we, and how can we help each other to do that? You know, it's okay if you say, was that encouraging? Was that helpful? Say it to me. Say it to yourself. Say it to each other. Was that helpful? Was that encouraging? A few tips. Fill yourself with truth. Read scripture and obey it. Like Jesus said, walk in my teaching. Ask God to help you speak truth in love. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us not only leads us into truth, but gives us the power to say the truth. Check the source. Check this source. Does it fit scripture? Check the source. Is, it, did, is the person that's being quoted an expert in that area? Is it, is it a reputable place? Is it a place that gives news and then if they make a mistake, they actually correct themselves? I mean, you can check your sources pretty well. Only say or repeat the good and the helpful. Um, those are just a few tips. But we're back to this. You must not falsely testify falsely against your neighbor. So the opposite of falsely is true. The opposite of against is to love your neighbor and speak love. Speak the truth in love. Let's pray. Can I have the, the uh, worship team come up? I'd also like the, the prayer teams and prayers to come up um, and just stand here. Uh, if you want some prayer about this or maybe something else, maybe there's some other need in your life, there's going to be people who are here to pray with you. If you want to pray on your own, um, you're welcome to come and kneel, at, kneel here and don't, don't come to one of these people. Just uh, pray on your own. They'll know if you're kneeling that you're not wanting to be prayed for. But this is hard. At least it's hard for me. Hard to speak the truth, always in love. Hard to not pass on that juicy little morsel. Um, Proverbs says, quarrels die down if wood doesn't get thrown on the fire without um, more statements. Let's pray. Lord, you are the truth. You are love. You are the source of everything true and everything loving. We need you. I need you personally, but we need you as a church to be able to be more truthful, more loving in what we say, in what we show, in what we share, in what we do. Only you can do that, Lord. We, we've tried, and Lord, we ask you to forgive us. Please forgive us for the things that we've passed on that we didn't know were true, but we did it anyways. For the times we've been silent when we should have 
asked, how do you know that? The times that we've said stuff when we should have been silent. Forgive me, Lord. Help me, help us to move into truth. In your name. We, we pray, would you please stand up? We're going to sing this, which just talks about our source of truth, where we can go. And I'm going to invite you, if you want to, to, to pray with somebody here about this or about anything else. And if you just want to pray on your own, you can just go past them and, and uh, kneel. But I pray that this might be a, a week of truth and that we might become that people who seek truth, not winning, not my opinion over, not even justice above truth. We want to do what's right. So I'm going to bless you and let you go. And we're going to sing this song, those of you who want to sing. And um, you're welcome to pray as well. And please, as you go, think about this. I'd encourage you to read John 8, Ephesians 4, some of those other things that we, there's a lot more in Ephesians 4 that I didn't cover. We can be an amazing different kind of people who are followers of truth and truth tellers. So let me bless you. May you be blessed in the name of the Father who is truth. In the name of Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the name of the Spirit, who will lead us into all truth. Go and be and say and do truth in love this week. In his name, amen. Bless you.